Gracious Father, I pray that you would uphold me, that I might uplift thee, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Why don't you take a seat? To read to you from Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, she will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. In his interesting book, Thomas Friedman, Friedman, I should say, in his book, uh, Thanks for Being Late, examines what he calls our accelerated world. He looks at that from what he says are the three drivers of modern society. One is globalization, two is the environment, and three is technology. My mind seized on a very interesting analogy that he used when talking about technology and the exponential improvements in technology in the last 15 years. He says that we can now store as much information on a chip the size of your thumbnail that we could store on a mainframe computer back in 1971. He then says, by way of analogy, that if you applied the same level of improved technology to a 1971 Volkswagen Beetle, you would have a car that would be able to travel in excess of 300,000 miles an hour. Uh, it would go for a whole lifetime on one tank of gas, as you would say, and it would cost four cents. It seems that in our accelerated world, it seems that we imagine that what we need is accelerated people. People who think it's really cool to live microwaved, fast lane kind of lives. In England, we have a, an insect which is called the water boatman. And what marks out that water boatman is that it races over the surface of still water without getting drowned and just goes over the surface. Donald Cupid, the radical theologian, who you will not find me quoting too often, says that this describes very well 
modern humanity, moving at high speed over the surface of life. And of course, such behavior brings its casualties. Some of you may be some of these casualties. The risk of burnout, as we call it. The distractedness of constantly racing through life at high speed. The sheer drivenness of some of us. And of course, the addictive power of adrenaline. That's not to mention the physiological impacts of living life in the fast lane. Before I go any further, I need to fess up that I am actually an adrenaline junkie. I have lived a driven life, deluded for many years in a thinking that my drivenness was to serve my Father in heaven, only to discover that my drivenness was to do with trying to gain the attention of the Father who took no notice of me. I have had to learn to slow down, be still, and know that I am God. I can't believe that corporate America any more than corporate UK believes that there is anything in this imperative. I cannot believe that many of us think that we would find more of God and God would find more of us if only we could slow down. I remember Eugene Peterson in his book, The Contemplative Pastor, said of the pastor who is over busy, he cites the time when somebody in his parish had gone through a horrific pastoral situation. And when Eugene Peterson said, well, how come you didn't come and see me? They said, I thought you were too busy. And Peterson says, that is the death knell of ministry. When you're too busy to see people. Well, you could translate that away from kind of church activity. How many married couples exist on scraps of time together? How often has my own wife said to me when she's been talking with me, Mike, you're not listening. And sadly, she's often right. Or at work, the people who need our attention if they're ever going to get better. But we don't have time for them because we're driven people. Charles Swindle says, we were not made for speed. Well, maybe Usain Bolt. But an accelerated life is honestly just a form of neglect. You know, Jesus called us to a self-denial faith. He certainly called that, but self-denial, my friends, is not self-destruction. What about the spiritual fallout from this high-speed, distracted world in which we live? I was amused recently. I was invited to go speak in Singapore, and I went there, and some of you will know there's a very famous old colonial hotel there called Raffles. I hadn't set foot in the place since I was seven years old. So I thought it'd be fun to go back there, and it's a little bit of faded glory now, and it was full of people from mostly, I think, English folks. And you could tell that this was the kind of summit of their experience, you know. We've, we've, you know, done our life, we got, and we come to Raffles, and we're eating breakfast together. Except that, A, they looked like they could barely tolerate each other, and B, all they were doing was sitting opposite each other, texting. (laughs) 
See, one of the fallouts from this overactive life is a lack of attentiveness. A lack of attentiveness to God, and that has serious fallout for your discipleship, but also a lack of attentiveness to the people around us. It's pretty hard, isn't it, to live alongside somebody who's not listening. It's pretty hard to live with somebody who is consistently distracted. And I kind of feel that behind a lot of this distractedness is a fear. I don't know if it's a fear of failure or it's a fear of not being seen to be uber cool, sharp suit, high speed life, etc., etc. There is the danger that in the midst of our busyness, we shall forget that God is sovereign. I saw a great tweet recently. I don't mean to offend anybody, but somebody tweeted, Brexit, Donald Trump. And then they wrote underneath, God is still sovereign, exclamation mark. I know that's true. But when I'm moving life at high speed, I can quickly start to believe that I have control of my own life rather than he who created me and loved me enough to send his son to a cross that a wretched sinner like me could find forgiveness and freedom. Donald Coggan, who was my bishop for a while when I was in the Diocese of Canterbury just after the Reformation, (laughs) he said this at some ordination retreat I was at. He said, we preach justification by faith, but we live justification by works. I wonder, dear friend, if that describes you. So a very serious question for us is how do we develop the spiritual discipline of slowing? How do we get the time to be still and know God better? I think that's a big deal for our respective cultures. And before I give you just a few tips about that, let me just do two things. Firstly, remind you that we are in the season of Lent. This is meant to be a time where we create a little extra space for ourselves to do a bit of reflection on where we are in our walk with God. This is a moment when we can do that. And the second thing is, I need to remind you that the only person you can ultimately take responsibility for is you. A lot of us spend a lot of our time, don't we, trying to take, um, uh, you know, pass responsibility away from ourselves to others. I had to recently discipline a colleague who spent all day long blaming his colleagues for his own failures. We don't want to be like that, do we? How are we going to make that choice between the heady addiction of an adrenaline-fueled life, or whether or not we choose to heed this imperative to be still and know our God better. That is huge for us as far as I can see. I, um, 
I hear retirees saying stuff like, and it's a little ominous for me as I'm about to retire. They say stuff like, I thought retirement might mean less than more, but I've had to rethink all that. So many people back in the UK end up in retirement just being full-time childminders. Busyness won't stop your salvation, but it will certainly inhibit your growth as a Christian, your discipleship. You will become, as many people do in churches, a case of arrested Christian development. Many high achievers describe themselves in that way. And yet God says to us, be still. Here's the deal. The more you get to know God, the clearer you will find it to know his will. It won't always be easy to do it, but the more you know God, the more you will know his ways. How do you get to know him better? Be still and know that I am God. You get older, I've discovered your hearing becomes a real challenge, especially in a room full of people when everybody's talking. And of course, if the ambient noise level of your life is such that you cannot hear anything much, that's not going to bode well for your walk with God. So three things to end with. Three things that I'd like you to think about If you're going to try and develop attentiveness, I can't make you desire this. But I can tell you, if you don't do this, you will become a case of uh, arrested development. First thing is, start small. My spiritual director was saying to me, uh, we're talking about my diet, and um, he's saying to me, you know what, you need to eat less. So I went from eating a lot to basically starving myself to death, which is not great for a type 2 diabetic. Went back to him, he said, no, no, start small. Knock off desserts, knock off, you know, do it that way. And friends, if, you want, you're like, if you're going to run a marathon, nobody trains for a marathon by starting to run 26 miles, do they? They build up to it. That's what I would suggest you do in this matter of seeking to be still. Secondly, choose slow. This is really difficult advice. I get this. But, you know, next time you're in the uh, supermarket, go to the longest line. I know. (laughs) Next time you're on the freeway and the traffic's backing up, join the slow lane. And you will start to develop slowness. I discovered one thing about myself, which is slightly weird. Um, My daughters, for some reason, paid for me to be massaged on my 60th birthday. I'd never done that before. I was a little nervous of it. I don't normally hang around in my boxer shorts with women I've never met before. (laughs) That's true. Uh, but I discovered this, that, that having, when I was massaged, right, I drove more slowly for the next week. I just kind of chilled, you know, most like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I've just been in a room in my boxer shorts with a woman. And... <laughs> Third thing is, work on attentiveness. The God around you 
and the person in front of you. That has been a lifelong struggle for me. I have a low boredom threshold. And my wife will tell me constantly, you know, you were looking around when that person was talking about you. And I was thinking, yeah, you know, where could I escape? (laughs) Friends, that's not good, and I don't want to be like that. I don't think you want to be like that. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul tells us that in Christ, already God has blessed those who trust him with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I know we get a little focused on blessings of this life. What are those heavenly blessings? Forgiveness, assurance, hope. And according to the writer of the epistle to the Hebrews, rest. Writing in chapter 4, he writes about the Sabbath rest. And this is what he says. He says, Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. I think there was a moment on the day that Jesus was crucified. I can't prove this, but there was that moment. Do you remember that? Jesus breathed his last and there's an earthquake and the curtain in the temple was rent in two. But there was a Roman centurion standing there. And in a moment, and I imagine it was a moment of bleak but wonderful silence where he concluded truly, this is the Son of God. How are we going to be attentive? How are we going to be still? Listen, you're going to have to be intentional about that. And I would encourage you, practice slowing and get to know God better. John Ortberg uh, tells this wonderful story of phoning up uh, Dallas Willard, who is his spiritual doctor. He said to Dallas, so what's the secret of the spiritual life? Dennis Willard said, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Imagine that. And John Altberg's like, yeah, 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 what's next? <laughs> and, and Dallas Willard says, there is nothing else. Do this, do this, and you will live. Be still. Be still, my dear brothers and sisters, and know God better and become more like his son, Jesus Christ, who loved you enough to go to a cross that you could be forgiven and be set free from the things that would truly mess you up. In the name of our wonderful God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the people said together, Amen.